Hello and welcome to the BNY Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I am very happy to be here with my lively and talkative voice. And on the other microphone, we have a less lively and talkative voice. We have Mark Gorski. How are you? I'm dying, Owen. I'm now, dying. what what does this say that I took an episode off when I was dying and and Mark is here toughing it out? Does it it's say that, hmm? what, what, what? No, tell me, Peter. It's going to say that you don't like video games as much as you used to, so you're more willing to put your feet up and not talk about them than than our wonderful Mark is. I was more thinking that I'm a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do person, and Mark is actually going to go to Kotaku right after this to talk about the working conditions here. Um, but I don't know. We have two different approaches, I guess. I would I would go to Kotaku to talk about oh, no. Jews of the Kingdom. That's what I would do. <laughs> As we get close to this, you know, end of year wrap of a year where Tears of the Kingdom may only win one award at the game <laughs> game awards. Damn. We're yeah, we're really gonna get far. We're really yeah, no. Yeah. We're we're gonna mark you just stay in the garage majority of the episode, but every once in a while we're gonna come to you. I, we're gonna be I'm like, afraid, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to interrupt Peter. Well, because if I don't, nobody will. Some of the things I know he's gonna. Oh, talk and infamously, tonight. never interrupts me when I talk. Okay, no, good. never. So long as somebody is gonna put Peter in his place tonight, that's all. That's what. Oh, if that's Owen ends up agreeing with me, tonight. you're. If Owen ends up agreeing with me, you're gonna scream. You know, judging, <laughs> uh, we have some topics coming up. Uh, in a minute, we're gonna talk about some of the games we plan to play for the rest of the year before we get into what we've been playing. But we're talking about. Some sort of Game Awards controversy. I don't really know what it is. These two have been yelling at each other all day about something. Um, so that'll be interesting. And then we're going to talk about Aftermath and Second Wind, the two independent gaming outlets that just opened up and just kind of give our thoughts on some of that. And we're going to send every all of our words to them via Twitter clips so that we can communicate our thoughts with them and show them how big of fans we are. Right, Owen? Yeah, and we can be toxic forces in the gaming community. We can be the bad guys in the California Twitter circle for a day. Uh, to to some extent. I, I think I have fairly balanced opinions on it, but we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Um, Let's just get right into it with some of the games we plan to play. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come right out, guys, and say I'm in one of my I love gaming moods today. Are you? I am. Um, I've had a great week of gaming, and I'm very excited to talk about it. And I'm now looking ahead at some of these games that came out this year and thinking, what have I been doing? Why haven't I been playing these games? Um, Is one of them Armored Core 6? One of them is not Armored Core 6. But one of them I have bought. I have purchased it. Okay. I just haven't played it yet because I have a plan. And that game that I purchased is Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, shit. Who that's do you a, think you big, are? That's a big commitment. Out of yeah, it. like, I what are we? Out of everything game. you could have bought, that's where you went? Yeah, I, I bought the game that is getting the most buzz this year. Yeah, and, and it's and like, like 150. RPGs. It's 150 hours long, and 
it just incredibly, incredibly lengthy with so many different things to do and so many different paths to traverse. Well, that's... And you burned out and turns the kingdom after 20 hours? Uh, try 45 to 50 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's oh, another no, hundred to no, go for Baldur's Gate. That's a, a serious commitment to a game. Um, and I'm, I've been born anew where I just don't care if I don't ultimately finish a game. I don't care anymore. And Baldur's Gate 3 is definitely the type of game that I could play 30 to 50 hours of and not finish it. And I'll still know 100% how I feel about the game. Mm -hmm. That's a, that Baldur's Gate 3 is a game you you will appreciate it for all the reasons people are nominating it for without having to finish it. And in fact, the third act is arguably one of the weaker areas of the game, uh, to my understanding. I'm even struggling to finish it because um, there's just still just so much to do in Act 3. Um, and God, I just want to be done with it. Like, we Sounds like Owen's kind of came to me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the first two acts is really just like, oh, there's a whole lot of great stuff in there. I can't, of course, I can't say that it's not that there's bad stuff in Act Three by any means, but I feel like from everything I've done so far, the highlights have been in the first two acts, and Act Three is just good, which isn't a bad thing, of course. But no, I think this is this is something Owen could go for a game that he could put down whenever he wants and say, "I've had enough." I think that's perfect, right? Yeah, no, and I I'm trying to be that way with a lot more games. I'm gonna run through some of the ones I'm planning to play here because there is a distinction. Because two of the games that I do plan on playing before the end of the year are Alan Wake Two and Spider Man Two. Now those are two games that I feel need to be beaten. They're primarily story games, and if I'm going to purchase them, I should plan to get to the end of them. Is that have fair? You played Alan, have you played Alan Wake 1? We're going to get to what I've been playing later on. Oh, shit. And then I have two more games that one of them I would like to beat. The other one I don't even think is beatable. Um, I want to try Lies of P. Because at this point, I've heard enough really strong things about that game to accept that it's not just another generic rogue or not rogue like dark souls like that's what they're called there you go this is a guy um, who loves games everyone that it's not just another generic souls like people really think it stands out on its own so it's on game pass definitely want to give it a try and oh, then the last one you oh uh, i was just gonna say i have i've played some lies of p forgot to talk about it on the pod when i did play some lies of p and i i agree it's it's pretty cool if you like souls games it's different enough yeah. Do you think you're ever going to go back? Uh, I mean, I just have other priorities. I just wanted to try it, you know, just to see how it felt, see if like it would ignite a spark and I would really want to like dive into the rest of it. But I, I didn't get that. I just enjoyed my time, but wasn't like uh, dying to get back to the rest of it. There were still other games I'd rather be playing. That's fair. And then the last one that I plan to play um is going to be the hardest one for me to commit to because it is a PC game. I may have brought it up before. It's called Shadows of Doubt. I doubt either of you really know <laughs> what this game is. Oh, shit. That, that was unintentional, Peter. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the best way to describe it is that it's a original Deus Ex-styled game 
And the idea is that you're a detective and you pretty much live on a city block where everyone on the city block is like a potential suspect. So you can like sneak into their apartments and find their schedules and see what jobs they work. And like, it's a heavy stealth simulation type of game. Um, that does sound very cool. I, I had not heard about this till you brought it up. I think it is early access still, I believe, but there's been a lot of buzz about it this oh, year. You're, I have heard about that. Now that you mentioned early access. Yep. 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 Um, I'm still very interested in it. I just haven't uh, made the commitment. Uh, Mark, do you want to go next and let us know a little bit about what you plan on play for the rest of the year? I definitely want to finish Baldur's Gate 3. I There's been times, anytime I've gone back to it, I've considered to myself, what if I started over and was able to, you know, right some wrongs in my playthroughs, maybe see certain characters' stories through instead of, knowing that I will not see their stories through because they died. So many characters have just died in my playthrough, but I won't do that. I'm going to get to the end. This will be my playthrough. And in my friend's multiplayer run, that's where I will experience the story of all these characters, like three plus party members who just aren't in my game anymore. Um, on top of that, though, I did install Cocoon today. Uh, mm-hmm. And I do want to see what that's all about because I've been thinking about it throughout the year and just like because i'm usually a big fan of some like sleeper or not so sleeper indie hits and i haven't really played any this year so i was kind of looking through some of the the indie games came out this year and said what do i think would be the most interesting what do i think would be the most me kind of game and there's there's some indie games where kind of just hoping for a black friday or christmas sale where i'm gonna blast through some of those that they go on sale like uh seasons uh, that that game that came out way earlier in the year, even though it didn't review very well, I do kind of want to play it. But I'm I'm waiting for a sale. So if if I do get the sale I'm looking for, gonna go through that. And the only other two things I really want to do it's these or one of these is Octopath Traveler two. I it fell onto the back burner because it was it came out right at the end of February. It was. I only had so much time to get into it. And I say only had so much time. I put 30 hours into it to not get all of the main party members. But then uh, the Xenoblade 3 DLC came out, which then bled into Tears of the Kingdom. And Did, didn't it also, didn't you play like 150 hours of Engage and then it came out? Am I, I remembering did, that correctly? Yes. Engage came out late January and then Octopath 2 was late February. I don't, I was trying to remember if, I was still playing Engage when Octopath 2 came out, which is very possible that I was. I think you might have been. I have a vague memory of you being very excited for Octopath 2, but being scared at the fact that you had just put so much time into a strategy-based Japanese game. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, yeah, because I I mean, I put so much time into Engage. I didn't want to have to be doing that again. And then thinking, oh, I know Tears of the Kingdom I'm going to commit a lot of time to. It's just going back to back to back to extremely long games is not as fun. It, it does not make the games very fun for me because I just want to just be moving on to other things. But Yeah, I mean, you you need a, a pace in there. Like, I, I like if I beat a really long game, the next game I'm typically looking for, I want it to be like five to eight hours long mm-hmm. because I want I want that feeling of progression. Um. I, I, and yeah, <laughs> hold on, <coughs> I'm dying, but 
in a perfect world, I do get to complete Octopath Traveler 2. In a perfect world, I can finish Yakuza 3 before the end of the year so I can do <laughs> Yakuza 4 next year. <laughs> are, you, are you even a little bit close to that? Not even a quarter of the way through the game, Ooh. so I've been told. Uh, which is a real bummer because like this is just not the greatest Yakuza game. That's the, the best yeah, way to put it. Line it. I just kind of have to just not do any of the side stuff in it, but that feels wrong to me to play in just none of the side content in the Yakuza game, even if it is considered the weakest one. Or don't do none. Just do what comes naturally instead of like going full completionist. What comes naturally to me is just getting lost at looking at side quests and running all around, and it's just not going to work that way because on top of those two, the two hopeful games is Octopath 2 and Yakuza 3, finishing those, but Truly, the next game that is on my agenda is Super Mario RPG Remake, but I would have that and would be playing it now, but Wario64 tweeted out a deal, and I got it $20 off, but it's coming through the mail, so I got to wait for that mm. one, and that that's a pretty quick game. That's like a 10 to 15 hour game right there. It's not not crazy long, so I'll, I'll blast through that, no problem, but it's the other games, Octopath 2, Yakuza 3, Baldur's Gate, Cocoon maybe season, and that's really the end of year there alan wake 2 is something i would love to try but there's no physical version of it so i'm i'm not as uh <laughs> i'm not prioritizing it Boo. yeah maybe one day they'll be like hey this was so successful we're gonna do a second round with physical games come on guys mark what are you going to do when we actually get to an all digital future there will be uh there will be people peter i'm believe and i believe in the communities the physical game communities that i'm willing to join uh hands with them even if i have to go do illegal business i'm going to be their friend so are you just not going to buy any new consoles once to go all digital well i will and then i'll get the disc drive that they sell just like sony's doing with their ps5 slim mark if this is the way you see things how can you even stand to play on pc it's tough Hmm? is it now (laughs) it's tough i mean my a friend of mine she just got a steam deck and I told her you've done a terrible, terrible thing. I had to remind her, did you not did you not know that you can't play physical games in your Steam Deck? And then she won't talk. Probably stop talking to you. Yeah, she I, will I not talk to Steam me about Deck. her Steam Deck. Steam Deck OLED looks very nice. Mm-hmm. It it was funny because this friend of mine is notorious for when she's finally she she takes a long time to buy a game that she's really interested in. We'll wait like a couple of years, finally buys it, and then it gets ported to a modern console. Like she's like, Oh, I'm going to go play this PS three game. It just gets remade for the PS four, PS five, whatever. And she just got the steam deck in literally the day after the OLED was announced. Oh, and I was just like, I can't believe this keeps happening to you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's really tough. Mm -hmm. Peter, what are some games you plan to play before the end of the year? I really want to play both Alan Wake one and two. That's really what I want to do. I really want to play Alan Wake 1 and 2. And then, Mark, you're buying Super Mario RPG, right? It's on its way. On the 29th, I should be getting it. I'll probably play that, the remake of Super Mario RPG as well, and then that'll honestly probably be it. But there's not too much that I've missed out on that I'm like clamoring for or regretting not having touched. I'm pretty comfortable with what I've consumed so far, and... Really, Alan Wake is the last new experience I really want to have out of this year. You know what I'm not comfortable with you consuming, Peter? What? Consuming my copy of Super Mario RPG after you just gave me shit about talking about physical games when you wouldn't be able to borrow 
my Super Mario. I mean, yeah, I'll take the I'll take the you know the perks of them for as long as we can. But I'm just telling you to accept the future. What if you took a stand with me? Uh we we would look like idiots not getting new consoles. We'd be standing at Target going, "Don't you see what you're doing?" No, no, no. We'll get the bootleg disc drives, Peter. It's gonna be fine. Someone's gonna solve this. Who's gonna make the discs? The other bootleg. Ah, uh, that ju- the other no, people in, just like yeah. In this world, all of these game discs still exist. Yeah. The consoles just can't play them. They can't play them. He, they, people, someone's going to make the disk drive just like people have hacked the 3DS and uh, people are going to go through the landfills and get all the Blu-rays out, all the Ultra HD discs uh, that, that aren't being used anymore, and we are going to just print, you know, some physical games. Okay. Um, Let's get into what we've been playing then. Uh, Mark, I you alluded to before the episode that that you were light on this. So do you want to just get yours out of the way? I've only played a little bit more Baldur's Gate. Not nothing really to talk about, just trying to get more through some Act 3 stuff and it just it seems like there's so much in Act 3. There's just so much to do. Like you, this giant city. And I feel like I'm combing through it. Oh, I, I know what I have to do for the main story stuff, but it's also like I'm trying to do it a very specific way, so I'm avoiding it until I figure out how I can uh, progress the main story without genocide happening again in my playthrough. And we're, we're working on that. It's it's going to happen. Stay tuned. But the only other thing I've been playing is a little bit more of Cyberpunk. Uh, I could start Phantom Liberty. Now, I got far enough in the story. Phantom Liberty, I see it in my journal. All the check marks are saying, hey, you can go do this now, but I'm not. I'm going to beat the game first. I'm probably not going to finish Phantom Liberty before the end of the year. That's just not a priority for me. I'd, I would much rather do everything else I mentioned. But it's it's kind of cool. I'm I'm having okay fun with it, like gameplay-wise. Like I'm only so much into customizing and building my, my uh, cyberpunk man and his little augmentations. But the story and characters, I think, is what's really gripping and a lot of performances. I just had done a side quest that made me smile quite a bit because it's about these rogue cars you have to like kind of track down. They have like these AIs built into them. And one of them is just a full on love letter to Portal where voice actress of GLaDOS is one of these cars. And she's having you run some tests and just a lot of a lot of direct Portal references. And that was very, very cool. And just the other cars are also just very fun in their own way. Performances in this game have been super good, like I said. Um, but I, I think I think I'm enjoying Cyberpunk in a way I didn't think it was going to. I thought I would like it more as an open world game. But I'm just really liking the single player narrative aspect of it right now. And that's, that's a win. That's, so I'm just going to keep cruising through that. But that's all I got to talk about. All right, Peter. Do you want to go next? I have two games to talk about. Guys, Halo Infinite's really good now. Interesting. I have put probably 10 to 12 hours into Halo Infinite in the last couple weeks. It is really fucking fun now. Especially the Halo 3 maps that they just added. I'm... It's just, it feels like I'm, I, if, again, I'm not saying this game is as good, but I, the way I'm just zoning into the game, just playing it, just relaxing, not really thinking, 
feels like I'm a boy playing Halo 3 again. Like, that's how into Halo Infinite I am right now. Wow. It's really, really fucking good. I'm going to have to make sure I have it updated. I, w- I would love to play it at some point. They've added so many new game modes. There are so many new maps now. There are so many new maps. I'm constantly repl- I'm constantly playing on new maps. It's not the same four or five like it used to be. Just, man, if this game had been delayed like a year, it would have been in such a better spot at launch. So I wouldn't have had what it has right now, of course, but just the gameplay was always great. I mean, we said it on here. The gameplay was always great. The, the gameplay was never the problem. It was the disappointing single player and the lack of content. But my God, now that this game has content, it is... It is a fucking joy. And thankfully, it's it's actual game content where I feel like it gets misconstrued sometimes of like the content people are complaining about might be like better battle pass things or like better challenges. But no, like it's maps. It's game. They just modes. added they just added six Halo three maps. Fucking six. That's crazy. two of them. Yeah. Yeah, they added six. I mean, Guardian's one of them. I'm playing oh. Guardian. Yeah, oh yeah, Guardian is one of them. I'm playing Guardian in Halo Infinite. I mean, it's it's different. There are changes to it, but the the vast majority of it's still the same. And whenever I play it, it's like I feel like Guardian's grown up. This is real. I mean, the pits back, isolation, blackout. This is actually, this is an instance where, I I learned you know, within the last few years that apparently everyone hated map packs. Um, personally, I loved them because it was always like a reason to get excited of like, Ooh, there's going to be this new refresh of stuff. I just got to pay like 10 or $15. And, you know, I would have gladly paid that for a halo infinite, like official halo three map pack. Yep. And it would have felt more like there was like something going on. And I know that they've been putting out their announcements and stuff on social media. It just doesn't quite carry the same weight. And again, that's they they I want to say they made some weird decisions with the maps. I don't know if I I guess I wouldn't put them as weird. But like Guardian has a lot of changes whereas Isolation is just a beat per beat remake. It is an exact remake from 3. Some maps they took liberties with Narrows is another one. Narrows is exactly the same as it is in three. Uh, then next is Narrows the same? I don't know. Most likely it mostly is. And then others is just they copied it exactly as they were. Again, totally fun to do that. I just wondering why they picked and chose the way they did. But it probably, Halo Infinite, it probably has to do with if they thought that the Halo Infinite movement broke the map in any way. Like Guardian, the, in the center of the map, there's now a hole. Like, okay. from the top floor, you can now just get into the bottom floor from the top. Other parts are now connected when they weren't before. Again, substantial changes to Guardian, but it's still Guardian. But Halo Infinite, really fucking fun. A game that I wish was fun, but I don't hate as much as we thought, is Cocoon. I've probably put about an hour into it, and it's fine. I don't despise it, like... Like I'm not foaming from the mouth like you expected me to, but it is just a very pretty looking, very, you know, very unique art style, very ange- like majestic, I don't know, I was say like angelic, vague platformer game that is not platformer, a uh, puzzle game that's just really artsy looking puzzles you're doing. 
your character is born from a cocoon and then you just do puzzles and that's all that's all that has been there's there's no context i'm missing it, that's just that just is there's no narrative to it as far as a, as an hour in no there is not is it so i think you're going to figure out more as you go i'm sure if someone can make it up i would like to chime in because today i played about 45 minutes of cocoon um and I think you sum it up pretty well, Peter, in that like it is just a it's a very pretty, very serene uh puzzle game. Story-wise, I'm sure there's someone out there that is telling everyone about how it's like the most wonderful story they've ever experienced it. I mean, you're all like you're a bug-like creature and you're you're coming across a bunch of different bug-like creatures. I, I don't know what's really going on. Um, the thing I'm going to add is Peter, did you do the first, like, I, I would label it like a boss battle. I, I don't think I, I might've just gotten to it and then stopped for the night. Actually, now that I remember. Okay. Because I will say I was very impressed. I, it, it starts out fairly simple, fairly like what you would expect a boss battle to be like in a game like that. But some of the different things, like basically the second phase of it, I don't want to oversell it because it's not like crazy. It was just the type of thing that like, you know, with the music they had going on, with the smoothness of the movement and just kind of the unpredictability of the boss. I found myself like getting pretty excited during it. Like I, I thought it was like a really fun experience. I want to beat this game again. It's only four to five hours. It's not a massive commitment. And the puzzles aren't to the point of like me putting my, wanting to put my head in the wall of annoying and tedious. So I probably will beat it, but so far it's like, it is a well-made, really pretty looking, unique looking game that I do not feel strongly about one way or the other. I do plan to beat it because I have a setup where, I mean, as long as I have the time in the day to take like an actual lunch break, I'm able, like I have good enough Wi-Fi to do cloud gaming. So I've just been finding like a, a game to play 30 minutes, uh, sometimes an hour of, depending on how much time I have. Um, and today it was cocoon and it's the perfect type of cloud gaming game, so I might as well just keep it going on on lunch breaks when I have time. And then that's pretty much it for me. It's just those two games. So, Cocoon was my most recent one that I added, and I have a lot. Because the reason I'm in love with games right now is I've actually been able to carve out a decent amount of time to play them. And I've also just, I'm always realizing something about myself when it comes to playing games. And sometimes these things are contradictory and they change over time. But the current phase I'm in is I'm playing a ton of games. And the cycling of games is not leading right now to me abandoning things. I'm like really dedicated to the cycle and I'm making good progress in everything because I keep going through them. So 
one of the more substantial ones I've been playing is I have officially started a Red Dead 2 replay, which has been wonderful. I've probably played about 10 to 12 hours, if I had to guess, of this replay. It's really, it's like a fine wine. I feel like it is even better as I'm going through now because now I know a little bit more of what to expect and I'm catching things I didn't catch I didn't catch before and I really just think like this game is just so much better written and acted than pretty much every game ever made um even like some of the side characters they're they're having these line readings that are just I mean it's better than anything that's in Tears of the Kingdom voice acting wise um not that they're actually comparable not that that's the bar you know like yeah no no that's not the bar punch to get thrown but um still i mean i'm just i'm so impressed with it and i've really because it's a replay i'm not like super dedicated in like mainline story missions i'm focusing a little bit more on the stranger missions that i didn't really focus on when i first played it focusing a little more on just kind of vibing in the open world and finding a lot of uh, random encounters I didn't see before. It's been a lot of fun. The next game that I've been playing, which is the the next most serious, would be Alan Wake Remastered, which I would say I'm almost exactly halfway through it. Uh, there are six episodes you play through, and literally once... I go to like the next checkpoint. I'm going to finish episode three. So pretty much exactly halfway through. I am playing this because I want to play Alan Wake 2. And I was assuming, especially because I'm such a big 360 head, that I was going to play this game and be like, wow, I'm really impressed. Like people underrated this. And I actually think people properly rated it. Um, it's it's fine. I do I think the flashlight mechanics and the combat are like fairly cool. Um it's different than most games I've played and I'm liking it enough to have that like keep it going for me. You see a lot of a lot of the ideas that I saw in Control, you can see where they like originated here which I think is cool, except they're, they're very bare bones. They're very much not the focus. Um, but you still see like r- random TV sets that have like live action things going on. Like you see that type of stuff. The story is very fine, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel really like it's selling this game to me. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to sell you. I, I think it's worth playing, especially because of how the second game sounds. Um, it, it plays very much like an old 360 game, like pretty much right away when you're playing it. You're going to like hit checkpoints and stuff in a way that we just really haven't played a game of this style in about 15 years. Um, and the like the writing and the acting maybe i'm being unfair to it cuz i'm also playing red dead 2 but it's like it's pretty like i don't, i don't really believe anything i i don't think the plot is like super crazy but i 
am committed to it because I want to play uh, the second game, which seems uh, much more sophisticated overall, which is fine. I mean, it's it's it came out in 2010, so I can I can forgive it of its faults. But I I was a little disappointed that I, my takeaway hasn't been like, wow, I'm impressed by this old game. I'm like very much whelmed by it. I'm going to keep playing it, though. Um, and then those are the main games that I've like been trying to play through to complete them. And I've been cycling to some extent. I, I've been throwing in random things like a, a Madden or a Minecraft here or there. And it's really keeping me energized. It's really making me love games right now. I, uh, I mentioned to you guys off pod. Or no, maybe I, I said it in um in the games I plan to play of. I, I purchased Baldur's Gate 3. So that is on the list. I'll add it to the cycle at some point, but I feel like I gotta I gotta probably take Alan Wake out before I add it to the cycle. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna let Alan Wake one simmer for a little bit before I commit to, to Alan Wake two. So that's my plan. And that is what I've been playing. So Exciting. Very exciting. Uh, it is exciting. I mean, I'm I'm loving not, games. That wasn't me being a dick. Um. Now I'm excited to find out what all of this like game awards controversy is that you guys have been apparently going through all day. I I was looking at Twitter to see like did I miss something here? No, it it didn't seem like it. What's going on, Peter? Now, I wouldn't call it like the biggest world-ending controversy, right? But well, it is if you're an Xbox fan. Well, that, that, uh, that's Oh, okay. Now you take it away, Peter. Mark, you gotta speak up. I can't hear you. You take it away, Peter. Turn me oh, up okay. on Discord, Peter. So, it's that time again, everyone. Oh, Santa's coming. Air's getting a bit colder. And people pin all of their issues on the games industry on Jeff Keighley. That's what happens this time of year. And boy, oh boy, did Jeff seemingly fucking step in it bad this time with many of the consumers of his beloved Game Awards show. So, as we discussed last episode, nominations were out. Game of the Year nominees, all the different categories, who got snubbed, who deserved what they got, what were some fun surprise picks. And some people were tired, Owen. Some people are really fucking tired of these quote-unquote same issues happening again and again, year after year. And what Mark and I are... There's some things that Mark and I argued about, and there's other things that we didn't. So I want to briefly talk about the things that Mark and I didn't argue, because we're about to be doing a lot of yelling. So let's do this thing. Let's go, let's let's cover where we're all holding hands, singing Kumbaya. One huge bit, one huge piece of conversation is the idea of an Xbox tax. The fact that over the last 10 years, there has not been a single Xbox nomination. So I know some people could count Psychonauts 2, but the vast majority of that you game was game developed year, without Microsoft. Well, Mark? You mean specifically for Game of the Year? Yes, 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 yes. That's my bad. Uh, specifically, I, I feel like were you no... could count Psychonauts, though. I like I know the technicality, but if the if people want this statistic to be a thing, I feel like that's a pretty major oversight. Well, you're getting in the way of their narrative, Owen. So shut the fuck up. So 
they will tell that oh, you know, no Xbox games have been nominated for ten years, and you finally this year, like Starfield only got one nomination, and Hi-Fi Rush didn't get the Game of the Year nomination, and the only reason it didn't is because it's an Xbox game, and gaming media and gaming journalists hate Xbox. They don't play on Xbox. They're never going to care about Xbox. And there's just this seeming apparent animosity towards Xbox that is being discussed by many people in the Xbox orbit. And how there's just these such, these massive, obvious, plain as the eye could see, biases against the Xbox platform. Owen, what do you have to say about that? I think it's ridiculous, obviously. Um, No one's biased. Starfield wasn't good enough to be like it wasn't good enough to be one of these nominees. The only game from Xbox that was good enough was Hi-Fi Rush, but you know, we all kind of knew it was one of the fringe ones. The I mean, the idea that like there's some conspiracy against Xbox is obviously it's ridiculous. And you know what? There almost deserves to be one because Xbox fucking released Redfall this year. Also, you guys, also the Xbox fan base, you guys just got Activision Blizzard and you're never fucking happy. Like, what, like you're, you're getting all these publishers that are all going to be on Game Pass. You're getting more than enough. God forbid that a Game Awards doesn't give you an award that apparently no one gives a shit about. Mark, does the games industry despise Xbox? Does the San Francisco group, you know, the secret meetings in California, do those guys, do they really hate Xbox as much as people say they do? No, I don't. I don't know why people would ever think that. It's just, like Xbox just wants to be a super affordable place to play games with these people who want to spend hundreds of dollars. You know, aren't getting what they want uh, for their platform. And to that, I say I don't know what to tell you guys. It's just too bad for you. I think this really just reminds me of of that phil spencer interview where he was saying like we could make 11 out of 10s and it wouldn't matter and i just i still get heated about it because it would matter if xbox made an 11 out of 10 this year it would have gotten nominated uh, peter am i wrong no well you're not wrong some could argue they did but you're not wrong well i Saying hi-fi is an 11 out of 10 is... is You didn't play it. You don't know, man. I mean, I, I played part of it. I, I never finished it. Um, But I don't know. I, like, I, I think that hi-fi is a very good and impre- impressive game. Um, But it's not... It's not doing something on the level of a Baldur's Gate or a, a Tears of the Kingdom, for sure. Um when it comes to just kind of like the impressiveness level that those games hit. And then I don't know. I mean, if you, if you want to say games like Spider-Man and Mario wonder and, and Resident Evil are vulnerable and hi-fi should have taken a spot, I would probably even agree with you. But um, it, again, it was always on the fringe. It came out, really early in the year it had a lot of things stacked against it and i don't think that one of those things was the fact that it was an xbox game for the record i well i do wish hi-fi rush was nominated over like re4 since it's a remake i'm not gonna burn the place down since it was not nominated so does anyone else have anything else to say on the so-called xbox tax for the game awards we all agree it's bullshit right yeah and i've 
my like YouTube algorithm has randomly like surfaced some of these people claiming that. And I mean, I just I can't get over how how just foolish it is. It just really doesn't even make any sense. Now, now that we're in agreement on that, let's get to where the disagreements begin to emerge. So, as you uh, may famously remember, as we discussed last week, uh, the best RPG category has started a shitstorm for many people. One of them is in this very Discord call. The fact that FF16 being nominated for best RPG is just another brazen example of the people who vote on the Game Awards not treating it with the seriousness that it that it necessitates, not playing nearly enough of the games that have come out this year to have proper opinions to be able to vote on the Game Awards. And you just have a lot of people pointing and screaming at FF16 being that category is just... This award show can't be taken seriously because the people who are voting on it aren't taking it seriously. So why should we? Mark, did I do a good enough job? To an extent, I'd say. You know, it, it really stems from because I, I could point fingers at Octopath Traveler 2 not being nominated for anything. Specifically, just best RPG theory. I just needed to be nominated. I don't need it to fucking win the category. But I think it merits being there considering the critical praise it was getting you know because that's what matters here and peter would always point this out to me earlier about how it's it wasn't popular enough it didn't sell enough it's like well that shouldn't matter here at the game awards this is about what critics and anyone else who is in the pool of nominees looking at the games that came out this year and said which ones shine the brightest which of these achieved something that we want to award it for to at the very least sit amongst the best of the year and Octopath Traveler is not there. And to that I say that is ridiculous. But what is more ridiculous is Final Fantasy 16, A game that is much more of an action game than an RPG. There was months of discourse about this over the summer. This, this went on for a long while. But now here we are at the Game Awards and despite all of that Final Fantasy 16 is nominated for Best RPG and is not nominated for Best Action Game. You can throw in Lies of P is also one that is nominated for Best RPG and not Best Action. But, you know, Lies of P, way more of an RPG than Final Fantasy 16 is. And enough is enough, is what I have to say. How I imagine, I understand there is a lot, a lot of, lot, a lot of people, a part of all the 120 plus outlets that come together to nominate these games for the Game Awards. It's important to have a bunch of diverse opinions for this kind of thing. But at the same time, even if a game like Final Fantasy 16 is not your cup of tea, if RPGs or action games are not your cup of tea, I don't know how we can go through a summer of people arguing that this is not an RPG and is very clearly not an RPG. And yet here we are at these nominees that this it's it just it just feels like we weren't paying attention over the summer to this kind of thing and then with octopath traveler it also makes me wonder were we paying attention here guys and then you can just point at a whole bunch of other categories and of course the way that these awards these categories have always been kind of put together has always made people uh you know a little confused unsure what certain categories are or about but 
I know I want to point to some of the esports stuff. It's like, oh, where's all the fighting game people? Then they're, they're never com- uh, never considered for these esports uh, athlete player awards, right? I think that's a huge oversight because we're not author- we're not accurately, you know, awarding people throughout uh, that field. I'm not awarding, but nominating, recognizing them for for what's going on in that part. And on top of that, best ongoing game. And Peter and I were buttonheads on this before, and I definitely think some of those nominees, a lot of the people in those communities, will tell you maybe these games were not doing so great this year. And amongst 120 people, I know, like I said, not everyone's going to be able to play everything. These games demand a lot. Again, of real quick, it's not 120 people. It's that many outlets. That's what I meant. Yes, 120 outlets. 120 outlets are all out there with rooms full of people, with different opinions, and uh, struggling to figure out how they, they can justify nominating certain games when they've only played so many. Well, one thing I, w- I want to talk about with the 120 outlets Maybe this is different for somewhere like an IGN, but I know like kind of funny and I know MinMax is another one that votes. They get one vote for everything. So they are, they are multiple people in their organizations, but they're just like picking and choosing like random people's opinions within the company to, to be a vote towards something. And that I think, I don't think that should be the case. I don't, I don't think like everyone at a company should necessarily get a say, but there should be like the, the vetted people that are the ones that get to vote. And it's like, if, if that means five kind of funny people get to vote, like that's fine. Just like have that be the case because I feel like that fine for you, Mark, five kind of funny people voting for you. Well, I mean like, specifically people vetted who are maybe uh like i a big example i had brought to peter what i think the problem is or not not necessarily the problem but a solution to this problem here we go is just jeff Keeley needs to put together a council right a jury i need jeff Keeley's the patriots a la metal gear solid and they are the ones throughout the year it's their job to kind of figure out okay what are we doing here who, who's playing what? Of course, we can't play everything, but we all have to understand what the mission statement is here at the Game Awards. Yeah, I mean, that's like the Academy for the Oscars. Yeah, yeah similar to that. And Can I Oscars speak? Is not perfect. I've let you go for an awful while here, and I've barely said a word. Well, I, have, I, I mean, I'm still trying to make my case here. He said he wasn't gonna get get a soapbox tonight, everybody. He said he wasn't gonna put his foot on a single soapbox. Yeah, here we are. This is important. But ultimately, yes, I, I mean, you, you've killed my train of thought here at this point, Peter, for butting him. So please go ahead. And Good. Say what you have to say. Good. It's, it's my time on this box. Okay. My thoughts. I am all for include. I think there should be more outlets, more individual. There should be more people voting on these categories. I always agreed with that. I'm even all right with getting specific groups of people together for, say, the strategy or sim genre or the fighting game genre, these very niche genres that the vast majority of the general gaming public do not really consume or pay attention to, so that those specific groups 
feel like they are actually getting the proper spotlight on them at the Game Awards and not just people who passively vote on their categories and couldn't tell you most of the fucking games nominated. I'm fine with that. What does not sit right with me is this idea that everything would suddenly be magically better if we just got rid of this current existing pool of voters and completely swapped them out with a grand, brand new group of people and the idea that uh, suddenly all of our problems would magically go away with a brand new group of people is just preposterous to me. It's preposterous, it's naive, it's borderline childish, the thought that just this idea that Oh, all of these problems that we have. It's its just this small group of people behind the scenes. And if we could just get rid of them and have our voices really heard, then everything would be so much better. And that's not what would happen. You would run into the exact... No matter what, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to get nominated for Game of the Year. Alan Wake 2 is getting nominated for Game of the Year. Tears of Game... So many of these nominations would be exactly the same, no matter how much gutting in, gutting out you did to the current pool of voters. And I just find this idea, these hang these little hang-ups that people do, and we haven't even gotten to my big problem, and that's when I think I'll get my loudest. But just this these vague ideas that people cling on to of, if we check this box, we do this certain action, everything's going to be so much better. As someone... I won't go there, because Mark gets annoyed. But I just... I want everyone to get the fuck back down to earth and realize that it's a numbers game, everyone. Mark hates me saying it. It's a fucking numbers game. There are certain... Okay, no, I just... I have to include this as well because this is the thing that's upset me the most and I just have the name drop. Cog set this on Defining Duke last night and I was out walking. I walked to my local dashes and I, and I was like punching the air because I've never <laughs> disagreed with him more at this. I thought it was preposterous. The, he he asked Maddie if it's fair that the idea of a fighting game or a strategy game would ever like. Oh, and let me ask you this: Do you think there's ever a world where a fighting game or a strategy game or like a turn-based strategy game are ever really nominated for Game of the Year? There's technically a world where a strategy game was because I feel like Baldur's Gate Three is like one step removed from being a strategy game. I would say that too, but apparently it's not good enough for certain people. So we have to, this question has to be out there as if Baldur's Gate 3 doesn't exist for some reason, apparently. Weren't you considering RPGs, turn-based RPGs in this strategy category as well, Peter? We I meant, about. we were talking earlier, I'm also meant turn-based game, like games of turn-based combat is what I was referring to. RPGs I didn't have to necessarily focus on, but turn-based, what Cog said was turn-based games and fighting games and strategy games were the ones he mainly talked about. Because he went on to say the idea that he, what Cog said was the idea that certain genres are just never going to be nominated for Game of the Year is a fault of the system and it's not fair. And I think that is one of the, I'm really, because I really like Cog and, you know, we never know what happens with this podcast. So I really want to watch my words carefully here. I aggressively disagree with that thought. Well, and you I thought it was that, stupid. Just say it. You you thought it was stupid. I thought stupid. it was fucking stupid. I thought it was a really fucking stupid opinion, and it makes no goddamn sense to me. It's not fair that a fighting game would never be nominated. Of course it's fair, because the fan base of fighting games is minuscule compared to so many others. The numbers are not 
there. The general gaming public does not give a fuck about fighting games. It does not matter how many more outlets we include. It does not matter how many more individuals get to vote. Fighting games and certain other genres will never be nominated because the, it's a it's vote. It's how voting works. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Of course certain genres are never going to be picked up because there's not enough people that play them. And in a public competition that is decided by voting, why not would public, they though. be included? Not a public competition. It's, it's But I'm talking in this scenario where the where people are voting, where a, 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 a more than one person is voting. A large group of people are voting on this thing. These will never, never never happen. There is I no mean, world. You could open it up to the whole population to vote and it would exactly. never happen. That's what I tried saying earlier is it does not matter how many people you include in this, the results will be the same. The numbers are not there. The public opinion is not there. And you can punch at the air, you can kick and scream as much as you want, but this idea that certain genres never getting nominated is unfair is ridiculous and it's naive and i don't understand how anyone in their right mind can come to that kind of conclusion well first i would say smash brothers ultimate and persona 5 were nominated for game of the year fighting game smash game. Let, uh, smash let's not let's not that's not i don't include that well i do i i I, I, th I do not think there is an xbox tax i certainly think there's a nintendo bias Super Mario Wonder is nominated for Game of the Year this year. And that's what I'm talking about. I mean, Smash Ultimate, when it got released, that was like a... That, that caught everyone by surprise, because that was one of those games that came out the month after uh, the, the deadline was, and then the next year it showed up, and everyone said, oh, okay, we're talking about Smash Brothers again, even though you know, I know this year, uh, another game to throw into the fire of the Game Awards doing what they do again... Pentiment, not nominated for anything, as that missed a lot of stuff last year. Pentiment was nominated last year. Was it? I didn't think for it was. For like only one category, but it did get nominated. I didn't think it came out before the deadline. I think it just made it, but it made it enough to not really be considered for a wide array of awards. Kind of seems like everyone just kept it in its one category and that was it. Which is very strange, if that's the case. I did not, I didn't think it made the deadline. <laughs> I have I have some thoughts based on all of this. I, I, I want to one get my thoughts out of the way on on the voting body. So I already said what I said about how if these outlets are genuinely only getting one vote, I mean there should just be vetted people from every single outlet that they get their ballot. And you know, if if someone else at the company doesn't get a ballot, you, you don't need their input. Sorry, they, they didn't make the cut. It's okay. I also think, and I've pitched this before, and I know Peter's had issues with it, but I think I'm going to amend it a little bit. I've always thought that there should be some sort of developer voting going on. It seems that there's not any. I think the rule should just be as if, if you had a game release this year, then you're disqualified from voting this year. Um, beyond that, I I don't think there would be like a, massive conspiracy of collusion amongst developers or anything. I think, I think they would bring a much needed perspective that the media doesn't bring. And it, we joke yet at the same time, like 
the majority of this voting body is like the California media. Like we, we all knew what their opinions were going to be. And it turned out that that is what their opinions were. Um, when it comes to the genre conversation, I think, and apologies there, there might be music coming through on the recording because we don't hear anything. You guys wouldn't, but the recording might, um, because my neighbors are just blasting music now. Um, but I think there are different goals of all of the award shows. The Grammys used to mean something. Now they don't. The Grammys are now just like, what was the most popular song this year? The Oscars are always trying to go for something a little deeper, almost to a fault where they're, they're really looking for the artistic film to base everything on. And I think the thing with gaming, you could mistake it for purely being what the most popular game was. But I think the ultimate goal of the game awards is to represent what was the most impressive experience this year. And I, I've also heard other opinions be like, Oh, well in order to be game of the year, like you got to have the story, you got to have the cutscenes, you got to have the whole thing, which I do not think is true. But I think the thing that is true of those types of games is that they try to bring in uh, like epic and varied experience that has the gameplay and it has the story and it has the meaning behind everything. That's why those types of games have a tendency to get nominated, but you can also point to Baldur's Gate three and you can point to even Zelda and Mario as like, those are just impressive experiences in one way or another. And that is why technically no genre is closed out of this, but you know, a fighting game getting nominated is kind of like, like a rom-com making it in the Oscars. Like it's not impossible, but it's very unlikely. Does this all make sense? Yes. And the thing I agree with, but like the pushback that Cog had is that he thinks it is a problem of the system at hand that it's very unlikely that a rom-com would be nominated in that and basically in like the best movie or best show, whatever the fuck best drama. Like I just find the main thing that frustrates me is this criticism that it's the problem of the institution that these genres that not that many people are into are, were not net are not getting nominated for game of the year when I just don't understand how that is all how that's how that is a cognizant idea to have. I, I like, I remember this was kind of a conversation around Forza Horizon five. They brought that and, up too. You know, the, there was, I think that's the type of impressive experience that actually did have a case, but it just wasn't strong enough. I, and I, I don't know what to tell people who can't accept that. It's like, it's still just a racing game and it's, it's for very specific people. They will tell um, you that uh, the system is biased towards the over the cam over the shoulder third person gay uh, narrative focused 
PlayStation first party game. And that if it's not that, it's not going to get nominated for game of the year, even though it takes two, just one, two years ago. That's a very good point. Do I think there's definitely like some sort of bias? Yes, because those are the most easily consumable games. Um, but I again, it's another thing that I don't think it's a conspiracy. Uh, like, I think I think this is kind of what you were going down, Peter. Where like it's just kind of human nature. Like the easily consumable <laughs> games that look like movies are say the ones that you, they end up voting I, for. <laughs> I want you to say those two words again. Mark, it's human nature. You hear that, Mark? You fucking hear that, Mark? He, it's. That was the number one thing he was getting mad at me about. As I kept saying, this is just human nature. Mark, give me your thoughts, please. He said the magic words. It's just like this. The, the, I feel like a core issue here is that this shouldn't be about who played the most of XYZ game. And that's kind of fundamentally the problem here that needs addressing. It is we, we, are, we aren't just trying to say like, oh, uh, we, we really just played Ball is Gate and Tears of the Kingdom this year. So that's really what it's going to come down to. It's like, no, 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 no. There are other games. We got to do our homework here, everybody. I understand not everyone, every single person in the room of all these outlets has to have played everything. But we are in this field. Like if this is if it is our job to keep our finger on the pulse of games in the games media space. We should understand that Final Fantasy 16 was an action game and not really an RPG. You know? I won't. Well, I, you won't hear that. I don't think you're going to hear Owen or I argue that. Like, yeah. that's not. And the, this is actually another point that I wanted to make that I almost forgot to bring up, which is like, we all went to Catholic school. Do you guys remember the like one random year where like, Oh, I, I even had like a class about these changes happening where like you went to church and all, all of the call and responses, like they were all changed. They're all different. Do you guys remember that at all? Yeah. So much so that I remember recent church events we've had to go to Mark kept trying to hold my hand and I kept telling him we don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I was right. We need that for, for gaming though. We, we need to all just get together and have some sort of governing body that, just creates definitions for things because you can, you can literally make a case that every single game now is an RPG and we just, we shouldn't have that level of flexibility. I Let's agree. just make it very clear what an RPG is. And then we can all be on the same page. Let's make it very clear what an action game is. Let's, Action adventure. Oh, what's going on there? We just need a different word for that entirely. Um, if we could just make things clear, even down to like what what should the goal of a video game be? Like, let's have all of those conversations and get them in writing, and then maybe we would be in a much better spot for things like these award shows. You know, I, apartment living just sucks. My floor is vibrating right now. I, and it, it's almost, it's it's definitely coming through the recording. I mean, this is ridiculous, but you can continue, Peter. Spider-Man 2 sells 5 million units in a week. Octopath, Tra Octopath Traveler 2 does sells maybe a fraction of that. 
It's the entire games industry that the vast majority of which did not play Octopath 2 is suddenly supposed to just bend over and let Octopath get all these nominations and should people just pity vote for a game they keep hearing is good but didn't play? Are we just supposed to be handing out participation trophies now? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? I uh, don't think so. I'm going di- to I'm going to disagree with you here. I do agree with what Mark is saying of like basically if you're part of the voting body like have some sense of responsibility that you should at least be trying all of these games. I want I I said this earlier. If we want an RPG focused crowd voting mainly voting for the best RPG category so that that audience, that group of people really like, you know, proper heads are behind the wheel for that, I'm totally fine with that. In terms of game of the year, that's where I push back because yeah. no certain genre should be put in front of any other certain genre. Like game of the year everything's fair everything's fair in game like i don't i just don't understand why games that barely anyone played i'm not even arguing that these games that barely anyone played aren't good but this idea like if 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 10 million people end up buying and playing spider-man 2 by the end of the year and only a million played octopath traveler 2 why should octopath traveler 2 like deserve to be nominated more i i like and this is almost certainly where mark is coming from taking the like artistic and critical approach of like, no, it doesn't matter that more people didn't play this game. Like it's the better game, but you need, you need the voting body that, that exactly. cares to do that. That's- and also, uh, you know, there's really only one Jason Schreier tweet to base off of the idea that Octopath Traveler two is worthy of this conversation. This is really just kind of a, a straw man when it comes to Octopath. I don't think anyone's actually talking about it this way. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I'm not saying game of the year. No, I'm not saying game of the year. I'm just saying best I'm, RPG, maybe best soundtrack. That's it. I'm not. I want to be clear. I'm not saying because a game sold more, therefore it is more deserving. What I'm saying is a game sold these games sold significantly more, and not many people played these other games. So the idea of all right, we're gonna have to cut this million like. There's like the numbers just aren't there. And the idea that the games that barely anyone played beating the games that a lot of people play, like I'm sorry, like the votes just the the public opinion is just not there. The votes are just not there. And the idea that we would just throw that entire system in the garbage to make sure that specific games get these participation nominee nominations, I it just feels like what's the what's the fucking point of any of this then? Making steps in the right direction inciting change for potentially making the changes we need to see here at the game awards because right now it just ain't working and it's not going to be maybe the golden answer but maybe we change it and you know something something's working there so it just takes a little bit more tweaking for the next year after that because right now any step in a different direction i think could be for the better the two changes i have been sold on jeff making is certain like subcommittees for certain genres and then once the awards are over putting out the nominate like the like how many votes each game got in each category for the sake of transparency i heard that be recommended and i think that would be fantastic for transparency transparency sake at the end of every year keely goes all right here are the numbers here's how much each winner won by that way you're not questioning the ballots everyone knows what happened and I think that would put a lot more people at ease, and also just include more outlets. Just you can never, you can never have too many. Uh, well, maybe you can, but you can have. I'm I'm all right with getting more opinions, but some of these changes that people want to make are just childish, and everyone 
Most of the problems you have are not with the institution, but with your other people, because it's human nature. Thank you, Owen. I think... Um, they definitely need to make the voting body more, more diverse in the sense of like the, the proximity of all of them to each other. Sure. Where there's just always going to be, as long as we know that it's like the California media basically being all of the voters, people will never get over that. Um, so, I mean, even if that means we bring in some, like, wacko YouTubers that are that are talking about the woke crowd just to fucking appease these people, it's all just voting about video games. So, honestly, I don't fucking care if they did I that. I think you just lost Mark on that one. No. Oh. Well, maybe. What if, what if they're huge Octopath fans? I mean, that'd be cool and all, but there comes a point, like... like I, I feel, oh, I for like, the record, hang on. I just want to say for context sake, I suggested content creators and Mark immediately shot that shit down at the thought of content creators. So he does not agree with your opinion at all. I just worry. I don't know. I feel like there's a point where maybe scope of what games are going to and not get nominated could be lost in that sense. Cause, and it's not impossible. I That's why I'm thinking, like I said before, Jeff Keighley gets his counsel together. He knows who it has to be. People who, who are going to have the scope to look at, not just like the biggest of AAA stuff, but and not just the same couple of genres, but really like going through the weeds, understanding some of the smaller games that kind of came out. Maybe some stuff that needs some recognition, stuff that didn't even get the critical appeal. And of course, that's the perfect world answer, of course. Stuff's always going to slip through the cracks. But I would I would hope that in this world, the perfect world of the game awards, uh, nothing is left behind that seems like it should have been left behind uh, for consideration. There's one problem with the world you're looking for, Mark. Fucking and tell like them. The denial of, of content creators and stuff like that. Although I, I understand not wanting it to be overrun by the Twitch crowd because I know that they can, they can kind of be a mob. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not like a big class of intellectuals in the game's criticism space. Um, and it sounds like that's what you want, which is fine. It's fine to want that, but I, that's not I, condescending at all. I feel like the pool of people is, is majorly limited when we're talking about that. Um, and I, I also don't think that's like a, a crazy thing for me to say. I mean, like, do you guys disagree with me? I don't necessarily. I agree completely. I'm at a point where that's where I feel like you're bringing the developers to an extent, but they're that what they are going to appreciate in games is going to be vastly different than possibly what uh, people might expect. That is where I feel like Game of the Year starts to look very, very different than what anyone else is going to put up there. Like I feel like if this was game developers putting Game of the Year together, considering the six nominees that we have, I feel like Tears of the Kingdom stays, Baldur's Gate stays, and Alan Wake stays. And I don't think the other three get nominated for Game of the Year. Other things find their way up to there, which I think would be totally fine, honestly. But I'd be curious. I feel like 
I, I would be fine with it, but I think there would be a different backlash against things that are getting uh, things that would get nominated, stuff that people maybe had never heard of, and I don't really think that's an issue either. Um, but it would just become the next hurdle to get past. I would definitely, I would prefer some some niche picks over, um, I mean, purely going with the most popular because. As I said earlier, like it does sort of feel that way sometimes, but I don't know. Like it takes two one, Hades one. Like the it's it's not only the games that sold the most, and we also we have to keep in mind that like the games industry is one that like buzz goes around a lot, and there's a world where Baldur's Gate three only sold eight hundred thousand copies. We don't live in that world, though. This was the world where it got super popular and people wanted to buy it. Um, so it's not like Baldur's Gate 3 is is technically this juggernaut that was always going to be there at the end of the day. It just kind of became a juggernaut over the course of the year. Do you guys have any other beef going on here? Like, uh, Look, did, did, I'm we, just happy- did we get to the bottom of it? Yes, you did, and I'm overjoyed that you ended up agreeing with me more. And even if you don't feel like you did, the fact that you said those two magical words isn't more than enough. Because before we got on, Mark said you would never say that, and in fact, there was no scenario where you would say those words, so he didn't have to prepare himself for that situation. So I got everything I wanted. Those are his, those are his exact words, by the way. I'm not paraphrasing. Well, there's this... The thing that gets under my skin about Peter's arguments here is that it's just not about what, like, trying to shape this award show, what it, what people think it should be, but it's just like, like some sort of like acceptance of just like, well, this is a numbers game, and that's just what it's supposed to be. It's like, I don't think it's that's, what it's supposed to be. I don't but think that's, that's what award is. shows. But it's, but we're not happy with where they are. Uh, we're not happy with the words I, I think there should be change. Don't say we. I think there should be more changes. I'm like the... Uh, famously, throughout this podcast, I have liked the Game Awards. I am a fan of the Game Awards. I have never said drastic, awful changes, like massive changes. Like, there have been years that are better than others. Changes have had to be made, but overall, I like the overall product. I've never been like, change everything, because I don't think it needs to be. I believe it was about two years ago we did an episode about fixing the Game Awards. Yeah. Where, like, where it was revealed that Peter didn't really think there needed to be any changes. And that mm-hmm. might have been the basis of when I started calling the general gaming public shit-eating pigs. Yes, it yeah, was. I famously, exactly I have famously defended the Game Awards on this podcast, and I will continue to. When you, like, Summer Games Fest, kick the shit out of it. It's pointless. It's tedious. It doesn't. It does not fill the hole that E3 left. We'd be better off without it. The game, the game awards. I didn't like the game awards. I think. I, like the I think awards. they're at a place where they're good right now. Like I think they're they're still fun, but I think as an award show, there's still steps forward to to be had, and people do want to try to take. People have for the longest time wanted to take the industry more seriously right i think we're at a point where people do take the industry serious so it's like okay we've accomplished that where do we move from here um that is not getting an entirely imaginary different group of voters that would suddenly magically fix all of the problems you have that's not not making things more serious i am no no like this it being more serious i'm trying to say 
that is not the goal now because I feel like people are taking it seriously. That is in the past now. The next thing is, you know, this award show's goal is to make sure we are celebrating and honoring the accomplishments throughout the year and being very articulate on what is really doing it, really recognizing these categories the best we can because they're so different, because they demand so much from a, a large jury. It's like, how how do we accurately do that? That is the next step forward because the way that these categories have, have been, the way that some of these games get nominated, there there's, you know, eyebrows to be raised at that part. And I think I think that is where we move forward. It's, it is not about solving the entirety of the game awards, but sculpting it into what we want it to be, sculpting it into what we feel I say we you're not included in this we, Peter, because you're 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 taking the drips out of that trough. You you're still very comfortable. Uh in your little pig pen over there, Peter. But <laughs> um the rest of us, of course. All ten of you. Mark, the Xbox community currently welcomes you with open arms. Well, the Xbox community needs to understand that just because they have two games come out a year doesn't mean that people aren't excluding them, you know? There goes that bridge. That's just not that's not what this has been about, guys. Like, come on. Like Owen said before, Redfall came out this year, guys. Come on. Yeah, be sure to talk Red down thing. to the people who might have agreed with you. Make sure you have the tiniest amount of allies possible in your fight against hi-fi rush has nominations guys like you're fine you're doing fine psychonauts 2 was a game of the year nominee and i i don't remember what it was all up against that year but if i remember correctly i feel like that was my pick to get the award or what i was mine um wouldn't it have been up against uh the last of us two years no 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 no, final fantasy 7 remake it would have been hades reps apart it takes two no, not Hades. Yeah, not Hades. Hades? Not Hades. Hades was 2019, right? Correct. Okay. No, no, it was 2020. Hades was 2020. Yeah, this is 2021. We're talking about 2021. That's when Psychonauts 2 came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to do a quick Google search. Look, overall, I feel pretty justified. I feel pretty good I about how this conversation went. What I want is Jeff Keighley to get up on the stage and aim to address the fact that we've had some issues with the definitions around things. So he wants to define one thing for us. And that would be the word union. And then I he want him going <laughs> chanting that the games industry needs to unionize. I want Jeff Keighley to go on stage and look right at the camera and say, Xbox Don Matrick's been gone for 10 years. What are you what are you waiting for? Do something. Not, that would be powerful. <laughs> I I would be crying. <laughs> I, I would be glad. Yes, Jeff. And then and then after that it. he calls up Phil Spencer to announce the next winner for and the next Phil looks fucking, <laughs> And Phil is fucking furious. <laughs> Phil is around the face. He's not even reading the prompter. He's just like, here's the next Xbox. Here's what's coming out. <laughs> Bye. Um all right. Let's get into our last topic. Um, we are talking about the formation of Aftermath and Second Wind. Aftermath yeah. being uh, the website created by five former Kotaku writers. Um, 
they've worked at different places, but that I feel like that's what they're most known for in the games industry. And they're doing very much a old school Kotaku style thing over there. And then there is Second Wind, which formed off of The Escapist because the head of The Escapist was fired by their by the corporate company that owned them and the basically the entire team spun off and just made something new um, that pretty much looks identical to what The Escapist was. Um, my first question to you guys is, uh, did you guys ever watch Zero Punctuation? I've never heard of it until the last couple of weeks. I'd seen a handful of episodes over the years, but it was not something I was like actively like paying attention to. I was shocked to learn. Uh, apparently, I mean, this is like early YouTube, like has been around forever for 16 years, um, which I didn't know. I mean, I discovered it a few years ago and I, I like it a bit. Um, and in general, The Escapist has been on my radar for a couple years of not being a group that like I was watching everything by any means. But, you know, they they were people I would occasionally go to. I would watch the occasional zero punctuation. I would listen to the occasional podcast, um, which I mean, I'll start with them in general because they've been in uh not easy space to succeed they've been incredibly successful i believe a launch patreon is always going to look a lot stronger than it will ultimately settle at but i saw on twitter that they just hit or are about to hit sixty thousand dollars a month based off of their patrons which i mean that's crazy massive success massive props to them that's fucking incredible um, which they are, they're kind of a team that I look at as, I mean, like in an ideal world, it would be like, we're, we're trying to work towards something like this, but them and the independent teams that have been successful, like kind of funny, like min max, like last stand, I'm sure I'm forgetting some easy allies. Um, they took the approach of really being community first. They have their main products that drive people to what they do. Um, kind of funny. I think that would be games daily. Uh, Last stand would be sacred symbols. Min max would be the min max show. Like these are the main things that people come to those outlets for. And then they really just focus on a lot of like lower view very community-based content, and it just seems to work in this model. Um, I don't know. I find it very interesting. I find Second Wind's success to be like a, a really good sign. Um, Mark, I don't know. Have you have you looked at this situation at all? I mean, I've I haven't like deeply looked into the two different outlets, but to my understanding of it all, uh, or to my understanding of just trying to make uh, a, a shift like that, uh, it is not it is not easy, and I, I, it is very easy to understand. I think that only so many people can just kind of successfully just ask a large amount of people to just jump over ship to support them in such a way to keep the lights on to keep a company running like that not everyone has that giant fan base and uh groups like easy allies kind of funny 
and the guys over at Zero Punctuation and the Escapist, they they have these fan bases that are were actively being built up and maintained over over years. For that, they they definitely had that. They had Zero Punctuation uploading every single week. I know the guys at Kotaku. It's a little bit different. They don't have that weekly upload of stuff, especially because it, it wasn't like they were a core crew doing something at Kotaku. These were Nathan Grayson went off to go do stuff away from Kotaku a long time ago. Gita Jackson went over to Waypoint and did stuff differently. Luke Plunkett had always been at Kotaku for, I think, the longest, longest time. And I'm not sure who else is a part of that group. But it is, it is, uh, they, they're a little bit different to compare. And I, I think definitely the idea of just that bringing, uh, the, the, these these fans over to try to build something consistent uh is just so so much more difficult to do even though we do see it uh happen successfully a lot of the time in the games media space i say a lot of the time there's there's way more times of course this doesn't happen or doesn't uh like take off of course or i would imagine you don't even try because to 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 put a, bo- a business model together uh where your your income is just dependent on if people just want to keep supporting you and it's it's one thing you know they're going to be there for the first couple of months you don't know they're going to be the last the next year or not just cuz you they're tired of you things are going to change are you that kind of personality driven uh kind of content that people are going to stick with you long enough i remember i had read a book that was all part of like a Kickstarter uh, for the games industry um, by Kara Ellison, really big narrative designer. It was, I forget the name of the book, but the whole book is her traveling the world. And she's going to stay with a bunch of game developers from around the world, hear their story, figure out a little bit more about how games are kind of made across the world. And a big chunk of the story is also just her just like dreading, just like, I my funding for this because I'm on Kickstarter doing this could just disappear when I'm in the middle of Asia and I just have to figure out how I'm not going to be in Asia anymore. How what what happens there and just a lot of fear of just kind of uh, riding on this model. And I th- I think ultimately the thing I'm trying to say here is just it is it is a, a, such a huge risk to kind of go this route because the long game, you have to be very confident people are going to be here and they are going to stay. So I think it is a, a, a daunting thing to dare try to approach. And I would call it a very non simple thing, even if there are a lot of people who have done it before. I agree. And, and really there's not a lot. There's really only a few groups that we know of that have kind of surfaced out of this. Um, and almost all of them, you're right, had the advantage of having their own fan bases to some sort uh, that they were able to spin off into something. Um, second win obviously looks like they're in very good shape, but they'd have other questions based on the fact that, I mean, it, from the sounds of it, there's like maybe 10 people with the expectation of going full-time. Um, I mean, they're making... Uh, a lot on Patreon, but that will dry up quickly if that is the amount of people that they're going well, to have. Well, that's where sponsorships come in, silly Billy. Well, yeah, but that again, they I'm sure they'll be selling their own sponsorships to some extent. Um, 
They'll sell merch. But these are all also like separate jobs. It adds to everything um, that they're doing. It, it'll it'll definitely help from an income standpoint. But again, it's just a lot of people to support full time. Maybe some of them are contractors. I don't know. I mean, uh, um, second wind, I can see. I mean, we, you two have talked about it. second wind. I can easily see a world where, like, five years from now, they're still doing their own thing. They're just fine. Aftermath has decided, respectfully, to spend their entire paycheck on gasoline, and they haven't bought the car yet. It's how I would describe what they are doing. Like, it doesn't really seem like they have a big enough fan base to justify what they're doing. So, good luck to them. Is all I will say. Good luck in your ventures. I I have thoughts. One, I almost weirdly, I feel bad for them <laughs> that all of the second wind stuff happened on the day that they launched. And like the whole situation at the Escapist, which it's actually unbelievable because I, I feel like the majority of like of the gaming content that like we consume, Everyone was kind of saying, like, man, I haven't really thought about the escapist in years. Didn't really know they were still doing their thing. And this turned into a ginormous story, mainly because of the discovery of, like, oh, my God, they have a huge fan base. And this entire company, based on this one guy's firing, pretty much just picked up and and started somewhere else. Um, I mean, it's just impressive. Aftermath, I saw it. And I, I have a vague understanding of some of these writers. Um, I wouldn't call myself a fan of any of them, but I have both liked and disliked stuff from all of them. Um, and I read the, like the first few articles I saw and I thought like, okay, I mean, sure. I, I really had nothing against it. Um, the Kotaku or the old school Kotaku's brand of content has never really been my thing. The like snarky article that points out why everything sucks. Um, it's not my favorite thing, but I was totally down for them to try. The thing that really kind of run me the wrong way. And I just think it's a really bad move is that, Maybe they were making this abundantly clear to everyone. I didn't see until I saw a random tweet that they paywalled everything after the first week. And the whole idea is like you are paying for the writing and the writing alone and you're going to like it. And I just think that that's it's not a good move. You needed the writing to bring people to something else that they were going to pay for. Um, I don't see how this could be very successful, honestly. Mark, I know I know this style has always been a little more of your thing. Have you have you looked much into like their actual content? Are you supporting it at all? What do you think? I have not really been looking at their content, really. Um, but I understand that I know this is an idea that even when some of these guys were at Kotaku that they had tried pushing for that that in the games media space um they're just really only you only make so much to get by to make the the wages they need to to survive in those cities so i think that's kind of what this is kind of fueled from i think the way that they kind of go about uh addressing everything 
like uh, communicating to their audience that that's what they're going to do could have been a little bit better. Uh, instead of just being like, ah, oh, yes, you just kind of had to do it. There, where there is kind of a bit of uh, arrogance, you could argue, to how they were kind of presenting that this is their business model. This is how it's going to be. You have to like it, right? Um, but I, there's a part of me they can't really blame them for trying because that's what I was kind of trying to get at before. They aren't a kind of funny. They, they, this is a new crew of people coming together to try to build something. Even like when Waypoint started, that wasn't crowdfunded. They were still under Vice. Um, they, they had money backing them from that perspective. And I'm pretty sure it was a smaller crew as well. Um, so it's, it's certainly an ambitious thing that is happening right now. That's a word for it. Uh, but I can't blame them for trying to go for the paywall. Peter, your thoughts on the paywall? I, you ever, you ever, you ever see these clips of like these oil CEOs just being a bunch of smug pricks just talking about, oh, we make so much money and we do whatever we want. People are going to buy our product because they need it. They are able to get away with being such smug pieces of shit because they have a product that people objectively need. No one, and I'm not calling Aftermath smug pieces of shit. I want to be very clear. This isn't even me trying to be like, you know, cute about it. I'm not calling them names. Maybe drop the pieces of shit and you might be able Maybe to Maybe, yeah, I'll drop the pieces of shit. They're being smug about their product. I can like, you pay for it or you don't. Everyone, I'm sorry. It's not 2010 anymore. No one needs a blog. No one's, no one's like, no one's stuck underground, put a uh, like opening up their mouth, hoping for a little drop of blog. No one needs these things. Like this, just what the fuck are we talking about? This, I, I just this this demand for this product must be met. There's no demand. Not enough for like to depend. Like not enough demand to de- like depend. Like your fucking healthcare, the roof over your head, the food that you put on your table every week. Like just this, I this arrogance i want to call it like this borderline arrogance of just this is the product and how we're selling it take it or leave it all right i'll fucking leave it because no one needs it what are we talking about like i'm just so confused by this approach for a product like this it doesn't make any sense and it'd be one thing if jason schreier did this people would buy it because jason is the biggest games journalist in the industry he has worked years and years and years to gain this sort of notoriety that he warrants being able to sell his thoughts on topics for a blog. There are enough people that he knows for a fact that there would be a demand for it. I don't think these people have a demand for their blogs, yet they're just spouting off that they do, and it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense to me. And I want I want to make it clear... I, I don't I don't know if the whole group is talking like this. I know we all saw at least one tweet that that rubbed us the wrong way that presented yeah. it like this this is either valuable to you or it's not. And it's like Which is okay, a very great. easy solution to solve. Yeah. Um and I don't begrudge them for trying, even if they don't have the biggest Nor like, do fan I. bases to turn this into something. But he, here's here's one thing. Uh, with MinMax, started by this guy Ben Hansen, who was a video producer and eventually a podcast host at Game Informer. Not 
the number one guy at Game Informer by any means. And he managed to turn the relatively small community he had into a slightly larger, not even the biggest thing, um, thing that can support himself. And it supports, uh, I mean, a bunch of others from like a contract point of view of like he pays a bunch of different people that come on the podcast and stuff, but they're not like full time workers. And it works. I mean, uh, there's it. It's a small community being financially viable for for MinMax to be able to exist. And that could technically be the case for Aftermath. Except, I mean, they have they have a lot of mouths to feed in that there's five of them. I heard on podcasts they're they're not full time. That's not possible yet. But I mean, I don't know how easy it will be for one of them to go full time or do they decide it's either all or none of us? I don't I don't really know how that would work amongst them. Um, and it's really just a poor approach in not understanding like it's got to be more like it can't only be the blogs. I like a blog. I do. But it can't Would only be blogs. No, I'm not paying for a blog. It's it's. I think it's something that you can funnel people into your things that are worthy of paying for through a blog. I think that's possible. Um, but no, I mean, I I don't think that you're so clever and silly in your articles that it's it's worthy of of paying just for access to them. I mean, uh, Substack is a big thing now for writers and, um, that's the idea of paying for writing. I think, I think there is writing that is worthy to be paid for. And also many people who are succeeding on Substack that's happening because they had their preexisting audiences and they found a way to monetize it just enough that people found acceptable. That's totally fine. This just isn't quite, hitting that level and it's almost unfortunate that um that they don't seem to realize that they really need these other approaches to be happening and that they need the blogs to bring people to to their podcast to their videos or whatever else they're going to do um maybe they they look at that as unrealistic they don't have the resources to pull off all that stuff but um then it might just not work out because I I just don't see the world where only the blog supports them. Um, do we have any other thoughts on these two outlets? That's all I've got. All right, sweet. Pretty reasonable size episode, I think. Mark, I didn't cut you off, did I? No, no, no I was just saying I've, I've said what I had to say. Okay. Um, more reasonable sized episode today. Apologies for all of the different music that's playing. I mean, this is just fucking ridiculous listeners. I'm not happy. But um, BNY, episode 114. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Adios, everybody. <laughs>